welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, this morning is billed as Social Transformation Sunday, and, um, which in some ways kind of does a disservice to everything we do. What it means is that one Sunday... Um, or a couple of Sundays a year, we particularly highlight the work that we are engaged in as a church in social transformation. That does not mean that social transformation is something that we only do a couple of times a year. Social transformation, as far as I'm concerned, as leader of, uh, of, of, of Guildford, is, uh, is a mindset. Social transformation is, is not an added extra. Social transformation is part of what we are called to do. If we are believers in Jesus... We are called to bring us in his kingdom wherever we are. And that means that there will be justice where there hasn't been. There'll be hope where it has been lacking. And we have this amazing privilege of having two extraordinary people who head up that work. But it is not the work that they are just doing on all of our behalves. It is the work that they are engaging and empowering and enabling us together to do. So they come and they speak to us with that understanding. But let's give them a warm welcome. Eric and Rebecca Jesperson, we are so thrilled to have you with us this morning. Thanks, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. (laughs) Great to see you here this morning. Um, We're here to talk about picking a fight with injustice, the fight that all of us pick, as Bill said, with injustice in the communities that we live in. And we've got a lot to cover this morning, so strap in and let's go for it. I want to open up with reading two verses from Isaiah 58 from the Message Translation. God says this, This is the kind of fast day I'm after. This is the kind of sacrificial worship I'm after. To break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is this, sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. So just wanting to start by sharing some of the fights that we are already fighting as a church. Poverty, hunger, debt, clothing, mental health, isolation, refugee settlement, homelessness, child poverty, unemployment, modern slavery, marginalization, domestic violence, family breakdown. And we do this in multiple places across Guildford and um, Woking. And we're privileged to have the lighthouse uh, in central Woking. We have an upcoming lighthouse satellite um, in an estate uh, called Barnsbury in Woking and potential lighthouse expressions across Guildford, which may even include a mobile lighthouse in the future. And we're so keen today to give you um, a flavor of what happens because we are engaging with literally hundreds of people um, each week. Um, 
An example, just uh, in the month of June, our women's project met with individuals. So one-on-one -on -one time was spent for a minimum of an hour, and they met with 52 different women for an hour just during that one month. Um, every week we have community lunch, uh, three times a week, and uh, usually sort of an average is around 30 people who attend that. And um, feedback that we've had from people sitting around the table as we eat together Things people say, um, like, this is the only time in the week I get to use a knife and fork, or um, something else I've heard is, um, is the only time that someone will actually have conversation with another human being whilst they're sharing a meal. Um, so just, there's so much we want to tell you about and share with you. Every day we have um, people who are receiving prayer, we have Bible studies, and also just people responding to the love of Jesus. But because there's so much happening on a daily basis, and we literally have like 25 minutes now um, with you today, it's really tough to be able to tell you about it all. So we've actually chosen just to give a snapshot um, today of just two of the fights that we're fighting. And those fights are child poverty and hunger. So let me tell you a bit about that. Child poverty impacts 23,000 children in Surrey alone. In areas like Westborough, in Guildford, in Shearwater, in Woking, over 40% of children are impacted by financial deprivation. Our Jigsaw project um, provides families experiencing financial hardship with uh, clothing for children, vital equipment, and toys. And it's led by Emma Heather and Beth Pears, who are part of our Emmaus Woking congregation. And in the past year, we've seen a 30% increase in referrals to Jigsaw. They've helped around 400 children in this past year. 51 of those families were refugee families, and 15 of the families were referred to us as people fleeing domestic violence. The food bank, uh, Woking Food Bank, is led by Alison Buckland, who's part of the Emmaus uh, Woking congregation. And last year, we fed over 4,000 people. And that included 1,500 children and they gave away nearly 42 tons of food. The North Guildford Food Bank, that's led by Heather Roche here in Guildford, Emmaus, last year fed 1,840 people, and that included 870 children. And they were also providing people with fuel top-ups, and they spent 4,720 pounds on giving people top-ups for their, their winter fuel. So in addition to this, um, let me just tell you some of the extra things that we as a church have been doing this summer to support um, these, these particular people. So as a church, we have um, provided family days out for um, approximately uh, about 100 people who are experiencing all kinds of poverty and suffering. Um, so these families were referred to us and we actually asked each family what would be their dream day out. And uh, the families went to all sorts of places, uh, including Chessington and Birdworld and the Natural History Museum and Legoland, um, Longleat, lots, of, lots more. Um, and here's a tiny insight 
Um, so one family, oh, it's just really tough stuff to hear. One family have recently had uh, a parent removed from the home. Uh, the other parent is suffering from extreme mental health challenges. Um, plus someone else in the family has recently been hospitalized. And as a church, we were able to provide everything for the remaining parent and the children, all to go to Legoland for the day um, and have a really special day out that would not normally have been possible. Um, when we confirmed with them the, you know, the, the, the plans for the day, the parent actually burst into tears. She was so moved by the generosity and provision um, by us all. Um, another family, they are now living with their uh, grandparents because their mother has recently died. Um, the youngest child has special needs. They said that their dream day would be to go to the seaside, to be able to eat ice creams and um, have fish and chips on the beach. Uh, and we, um, as a church, provided all their travel, their food, and lots of extra fun bits and pieces, including money for a fun fair um, yeah, for these precious people. One of our referrers uh, to this project wrote to us and said, um, this is a quote from her, this is really going to have a huge impact on these families this summer. You are blessing so many families. This is a wonderful way to share God's love. We also hosted a train and picnic day at Stoke Mini Railway, where families in need were able to come and enjoy unlimited train rides and uh, also have a picnic and games. And uh, it was uh, just a wonderful day to get together. One parent said, if we hadn't been invited to this event, we wouldn't have left our home today. Another family we've been supporting in Woking was recently rehoused to Staines, but they traveled all the way on public transport just to get to the event. And I want to give a, a shout out to Mike Stambrook, who instigated that event and actually drove the train all day. So go, Mike. <laughs> and then we ended the month of August with our back to school day. Um, so this happened just last week. Uh, we spent £3,000 helping families in need providing uh, children with brand new Clark's shoes, um, a backpack and a haircut. Um, so they were ready to go back to school this past week. We were also able to give pampering to tired mums <coughs> at the end of their summer uh, with some of the women from our women's project coming along to paint nails and do hand massages. Some of the feedback from... Um, this event, people said, what an amazing setup it was. It was such a relief for them to have this opportunity, this provision. They thanked the team. They said, what a lovely, lovely, lovely people on the team. It's about 27 on the team that day of us here. Um, they said, uh, thank you for making the children feel so special. Um, what we do is fantastic. We are truly, you, we are truly amazing. <laughs> they can't thank everyone enough um, for the incredible welcome and the help that they were given. And um, actually, someone said, you were a godsend to us all. And Louise Yagnazar hosted a prayer station there as well, where children could make um, prayer keychains and um, helping them to, to think about how they could pray about going back to school, things that were on their minds, things that were concerning them. And Issues came up, things like bullying. Um, it was just an opportunity to talk and bring these things out into conversation and um, to pray in the moment. And in fact, 
when she asked, most of the children said that it would be their parents that they wanted to pray for. So that's precious. Yeah. So we're going to um, now look ahead to this next term, what the social transformation team uh, are going to be doing. Eric, do you want to tell us a bit about that? So coming up this term, you will be excited to know that we're already talking about Christmas. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about, one of the key opportunities this term is our Christmas kindness uh, program, and that wraps up a load of different Christmas uh, projects that we do. Last year, we made up over 100 Christmas gift hampers and parcels for families in need in Guildford and Woking, and we also engaged companies and schools and individuals in the wider community to contribute towards these, which is always a significant part of that, is engaging the wider community. Feedback from a Guildford School Link worker last year said, thanks so much for all the Christmas parcels. They are absolutely wonderful. And the families are over the moon with them and have asked me to say a massive thank you. They are overwhelmed with your generosity. You've taken so much time and trouble to make the parcels absolutely beautiful and perfect for each child. Um, also, as part of our Christmas kindness, we hosted a Christmas party for young adults leaving the uh, care system, the welfare system, and we also contributed towards hampers for them and engaged with the wider community in contributing. In fact, Rachel Bowers' company, uh, the staff there, uh, gathered stuff together for that as well. We hosted a Christmas lunch for Halo Clients, which is a Guildford-based organization working with young adults with learning disabilities. We hosted a huge Christmas party event for families in need in Guildford and Woking, where we gave out Christmas hampers and uh, pampered the parents, and even had a visit from a singing Santa. And uh, we hosted Christmas Day lunch at the Lighthouse for people from Guildford and Woking, where we fed them a full Christmas dinner and had music and games and all sorts of things there. We hosted a Christmas party at Vaughan House Homeless Hostel, where we decorated the Christmas tree together with clients and uh, enjoyed some delicious food. And Christmas is just a brilliant time to demonstrate the love of God in very practical ways. You know, Hollywood and TV adverts kind of give out this idealized version of Christmas that's exclusively about romance or family or friendship and abundance. But for many, Christmas is a desperately lonely and depressing time. And uh, they're stuck behind a wall of isolation and poverty feeling uninvited and invisible. So let's take a sledgehammer to that wall and, uh, and break through together this Christmas. From next month, we're going to bombard you with information about how you can get involved in those different things. So uh, watch this space. But even today, at the end of today, there will be an immediate way that you can sign up and join this fight. And we'll give you more information on that later. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. So moving on now to another injustice that we're wanting to fight. We're recognizing that there are an increasing number of victims of modern slavery uh, in our community at the Lighthouse. And 
So we have reached out for help and uh, training and awareness and support. Um, and to do this, that we uh, need to work with key partners. So I'm just going to invite Sarah to come up and join me. So Sarah works on the front line for Justice and Care, uh, which is an organisation working internationally with the police to rescue and empower victims of slavery and to bring perpetrators to justice. I just want to ask it's, uh, that nobody takes photos of Sarah, please, while she's here talking about this with us today. Uh, yeah, it's okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sarah, could you give us a very brief insight into what we're facing in the UK and Surrey in terms of modern slavery? Yes. Um, so I think what's important to start with is uh, the long history of work that Justice and Care has been doing in India and Bangladesh to rescue victims and see perpetrators brought to justice. Um, but I think often we think about this being a problem abroad, that it's something that happens internationally where um, the, the most poor are living. Actually, all you need for modern slavery and human trafficking to exist is vulnerability somewhere, either in our community or somewhere else, um, in a place without opportunity and extreme poverty, and demand for cheap labor, for cheap sex, um, and, and the ability for someone to make a profit from someone else. So in the UK, um, there's a low estimate of about 13,000 victims of modern slavery and human trafficking here being exploited in this country. The high estimate is more um, around the area of a hundred or a couple hundred thousand, and that's because victims are afraid to come forward or they are trapped still in that exploitation. Um, what we've been doing in Surrey is uh, responding to the police need that they've, they've told Justice and Care about um, to try to build the trust that they're unable to build with victims who are afraid of police, who are afraid of coming forward. Um, so we work directly on the front line, directly alongside police to um, engage with victims as they're first rec uh, rescued, and then to support them through that process of recovery, moving to a safe house, um, what happens next. And we've already been involved in 180 investigations um, in Surrey in the last year. Um, that's investigations into forced labor, car washes, nail bars in Guildford, Godalming, Woking, um, all of the surrounding towns that you can imagine, sexual exploitation at brothels just off the high streets, um, and these are of children, of women, of men. So it's a really, really real issue that um, we have a, a part to play in in Surrey. So with Sarah's help, we've been preparing at the Lighthouse to um, support survivors who have been rescued. Um, and as part of this, uh, we've really become aware of the journey of the individual from the time of rescue um, and some of the dangers that they then face in terms of being re-trafficked. Um, just could you unpack a little bit just that journey for us? Yeah, so um, we're really privileged in the UK to have a system that is set up with support systems in place for victims who are rescued. Um, and that includes often after rescue being um, supported to move to a safe house, usually in the north of England. Um, and that support usually lasts for a minimum of 45 days, sometimes up to a year during which time victims will receive counseling support with the trauma they've experienced, um, uh, accommodation, subsistence rate, um, and just general wraparound support. 
but typically at the point that the government actually decides that they are a victim of trafficking, that there's evidence to support that, um, they're actually dropped from safe house accommodation. Uh, just doesn't care, we keep supporting the victim through that kind of cliff's edge, um, but often we find victims are left without a home, um, without other statutory support to help them um, kind of become more independent, and they're left incredibly vulnerable to re-trafficking. So understanding this need um, for protection that survivors have at this crucial point, we just want to share a potential solution that we um, have found with you today. And this is really um, part of our discerning process to see how the spirit moves us. Um, so the solution actually comes through partnering with a charity called Hope at Home. And uh, Sarah, do you want to just tell us a bit more about Hope at Home? I would love to. Um, so what we've really, Bex and I, have been involved in over the last year is recognizing, again, this vulnerability that we're seeing at the Lighthouse um, and through Justice and Care's work in the UK. Um, and through my role, kind of seeing how we can find a solution to that through partnership both with other charities and with church communities because it really takes um, all of us working together to support victims. So um, through our work, we've identified another charity that we think is um, really approaching this very wisely, um, recognizing that they can't do it alone, that churches can't do it alone, um, and that we can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. So Hope at Home um, helps to train individuals and families that are part of a church community to um, open their homes, essentially, open their spare bedrooms after this phase of support that the victim has been receiving, um, recovering from the trauma that they've had, um, to when they're left and uh, unable to stay in the safe house anymore. So Hope and Home comes in at this stage in direct partnership with the churches in the local community and the charities in the local community to train the individuals, the families, to open their home in a safe way um, during this stage, this process of um, exiting a safe house and independent living. So we just want to take a moment now to hear from a survivor how Hope at Home has impacted their lives. It was a difficult time and a lot of bad things happened to me. I didn't have anyone to talk to or to listen to or to sort things out for me. I just stayed by myself in my flat all the time, not going out for 24 hours. I only came out when I had important appointments, like going to the job centre or whatever. That's the only thing that I went out for. When I got back, I would just lock myself away. Every day I would do the same thing. Before I moved to my host family's house, I felt very nervous. I thought about the people I had to go and stay with, what they would teach me and what they would be like. I lived with my host family for one year and I've made a lot of good memories with them. They gave me love. They are very caring and they listen to me when something happens. Once I went out and I saw something that scared me. When I came home, they saw from my face that I was scared. They came over and gave me a hug. They talk to me and they understand. These things didn't happen to me before. The people in the house family make me feel very comfortable. They love me. They always tell me, we love you. No one has ever told me that before in all my life. I only hear this from the host family. When they say they love me, I come up to my room and I cry because I think about how much my life has changed since I moved here. Now I can do things I was scared to do before. Now I go out all the time and I don't lock myself away. Now I can talk to people I don't know and I can deal with the things when I'm scared because the host family helped me. I can do things with my host family that I could not do on my own. If you decide to help someone like me, you can offer them a new life. 
Before I moved to the host family, I tried to kill myself because I felt so lonely. But when I moved here, my life changed. My family helped me to start a new life and escape bad things. Before I came to the host family, I tried to get help from so many places, but no one could help me. My host family helped me with everything. That's why they have given me a new life. I have so many good memories with the host family, but the biggest thing I receive from them is love. Love is enough for me, but they give me more than love. They give me more than words can say. Thank you, and now we're going to hear from a host family. great idea for people to host for so many reasons and um, there are a lot of people who survivors of human trafficking who are without somewhere to live so when they leave the safe house they have nowhere to go and they have no support and I think a family home um, where people are going to be loved and treasured and supported practically um, and just welcomed into the family and then given breathing space so that they can find out really who they are is the perfect place for someone to be and for someone to heal from all the trauma that they've been through. I think I gained uh, more from having someone living here than the person did uh, that came to us and really just being able to see the change in the person, being able to see their uh, growth in, in life and confidence and the change that was in them and be able to share our house and our space and also the growth in the family and in the boys and the change that was in them. It's just really exciting, it's fun and it's good to know that you've helped them as well. Like it's a good feeling to know that you've helped someone. It just is. Yeah, you get you get a new uh, you know member of your family and you get to show them love that you just can't do in another way whereas you're hosting someone that's really something unique and, and special. Definitely say yes, because it's fun and exciting. At first I felt quite nervous about sharing my home. Uh, I felt a little bit excited, uh, but also felt privileged that someone would trust us if I wanted to come and live with us. The opportunity to be able to have someone into your home and give them that love is something that you will never, ever regret, really. My capacity for loving people is great. Brought us close together as brothers and as a family. All you have to do is have a caring heart, compassionate heart, kind heart. So we just want to very briefly give a few um, practical details about being a host. Yes, so um, as we said, Hope at Home is um, a charity that we've identified uh, as really addressing the need for this additional support at this stage in a victim's journey um, in a really practical way and a really meaningful way for individuals who want to be involved directly. Um, and that's directly supporting victims that we at Justice and Care are supporting and the Lighthouse are already supporting as well. Um, 
practically speaking, I think part of the reason we, we've um, trusted and, and been interested in this partnership is because they do train and equip families um, and individuals to be ready to open up their homes in a safe way with boundaries. Um, so, the, so there's significant training um, before you open your homes, and then there's ongoing kind of clinical supervision and counseling for the families and the individuals who are involved. Um, I think it's also important to note that you are not getting um, a victim coming into your home who has just exited exploitation. This is after a period where they've received statutory support, charity support from Justice and Care and others. Um, and therefore, they are uh, on their journey of recovery and you're there for the kind of hopefully final stages before they become fully independent. Um, also worth noting is that for families who are worried about the financial side, um, Hope at Home is able to provide some funding for food for those who require that, and that would be the only barrier. Um, so the type of timescale we're talking is anything between three months and 12 months. 12 months is the maximum um, at any one time. Um, and. If we discern as a church uh, that this is something that we are, people are wanting to respond to, um, then we would have a, a community, an Emmaus host community that we would establish here to support and encourage and equip one another. I think that's probably, that's all we can share about that now. And um, we're going to give opportunity for those interested to obviously have further time together to talk and explore and Q&A and all of that. But Eric, do you want to come back up? And uh, yeah, just explain what we okay. can do next. Thank you. So, raise your hand if you want to fight injustice. We love to stand together for this, don't we? And you've heard loads of different things today. Uh, perhaps you want to get involved in Hope at Home. Perhaps you want to get involved in Christmas Kindness and lots of the other projects that happen across the life of the church. We want to give you a very simple way to respond today. So you can get your phone out and right now, if you want to respond, you can text the word FIGHT to double six triple seven, and what will happen is that will be you saying to us, I'm in with this, I wanna connect with this, and we, you will get a link in response, a reply from us to that text that will allow you to select what you think you would like to get involved in or find out more about. So you can either now or after the service uh, text fight to that number and we will get back to you and it's our way of finding out what it is that you can get involved in. Thank you. We also just want to mention that there is a social transformation point at the welcome desk here every week uh, and there's always information about things that are going on, events and so on, flyers. And there's a folder in there with uh, current um, opportunities like roles and things that we need um, people to come and, and get involved in. So that's there every week um, to let you know. And um, yeah, to, to, to finish in a moment, I'm just going to ask us all to stand and pray together in response. Um, the prayer will actually come up on the screen. and It's a type of declaration, really. It's based um, on a section of Psalm 10. And the first part of the prayer really points um, to God's heart for the least. And then um, 
Um, yeah, so he is a God who fights injustice. The second part is our response to that. It's a prayer of alignment um, to God's heart and a choice to fight with him. So why don't we stand and let's pray this prayer together. Lord, the poor and helpless ones put their trust in you. For you are famous for being the helper of the fatherless. We know you won't let them down. Lord, you know and understand all the hopes of the humble and will hear their cries and comfort their hearts, helping them all. The orphans and the oppressed will be terrified no longer. For you will bring them justice, and no one will trouble them. Lord, we stand with you now to fight injustice, to defend the helpless, to bring hope to the humble. We hear their cries and respond to their need. Go with us, Lord, as we put our hand in yours to care for the poor. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks, guys, uh, so much.